Alright, praise the Lord. So anyway, uh, if you if you look at Lamentations, now Lamentations, I mean, you know, if you didn't know anything about the Bible, uh, and you're trying to figure this book out, like I said, let's give my quick recap real quick. You got Genesis, that's the beginning. It truly is. It really is. And I get so tickled when I look at Jeremiah and Isaiah. They'll talk about the Lord God Almighty, and they'll say the Lord God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. Somebody's dead wrong here if we think it's millions and millions of years in evolution. And I'll tell you one who would be dead wrong, and that's going to be Jesus. Because Jesus said in the beginning he made a male and female. Jesus called himself Ben Adam, which meant son of Adam. Jesus believes it goes back to Adam. Paul believes it goes back to Adam. In the book of Acts it says by one blood, uh, talking about uh, all descendants of mankind. But anyway, <clears throat> come on in, Gavin. Get some coffee. So anyway, you've got the book of Genesis here, and then Exodus just means it's an exit from somewhere. Yeah, from Pharaoh. They were down there. Uh, <clears throat> they wound up being slaves, but not from the start they weren't. Uh, but anyway, uh, then you've got Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Just three chapters, three books, basically about Moses and the law. And some people won't even read the Bible because they'll go, Oh, that's the Mosaic law, whatever. It is so short. And our Constitution is built on most of it. Take a hint. Thou shalt not kill. The Ten Commandments. And some other things in there. Some other people try to pull some things out and they'll go, well, that's crazy, crazy, crazy. But if you'll look and you'll read, actually, if you'll read Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there's a lot of history in here and you will understand. And one of the things you'll understand is the Lord said, I want you, the people of Israel, to do it this way. That's all. Anyway, more history. Joshua. More history, the judges, these are time frames. And then there's Ruth, that's a woman. And there's a little small three or four chapter book, they're wonderful. And that Ruth is actually the uh, great-grandmother of David, or great-great, one of the two. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> then you've got First, Second Samuel's history, these are King David. Then you've got, surprising, kings, first kings, second kings. That meant there was a lot of kings, okay? But there's a time frame, only for about 800, 900 years or so. Then you've got uh, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, almost the same things that you see in First and Second uh, Kings. And all of a sudden, that's it, except for a book about Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. Then there's a book called Job's, I mean Job's, excuse me, not Job's, but Job. Now, you get down here to these guys here, these are prophets. And they were living at the time of these kings. And they were telling, trying to warn the nation, don't do these things or you're going to be in trouble. And the thing they were guilty of was worshiping other gods. It wasn't just because they made some mistakes here and there. They were worshiping other gods, and that got them into a whole lot of other trouble. <clears throat> at this point here, Jeremiah, at the end of Jeremiah, Nebuchadnezzar has taken over everybody. They're all slaves. They're all taken to Babylon. Their history. Jeremiah got to stay back in Jerusalem, though. <clears throat> anyway, he wrote... This thing called Lamentations. Man, it, it was just like the end of the war. The war had just wiped everybody out. Right in the middle of it is the third chapter here. And I want to read some things here to you. Uh, if you start here in verse 1, because it, it all sounds like, whoa, this is terrible. But anyway, he says, I am the man who has seen the afflictions that came from the rod of God's wrath. He has brought me into the deepest darkness. This is Lamentations 3, verse 1. Uh, shutting out all light. He has turned against me. Day and night his hand is heavy on me. He has made me old and has broken my bones. He has built forts against me, surrounded me with anguish and distress. Now, Jeremiah's not talking about himself. He's talking about what's happened to Israel. Israel's been wiped out here. Okay, but anyway, 
So anyway, uh, and he gives the reason why this took place. It wasn't just, well, I guess somebody just, God just turned on me. No, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. It's because they're worshiping other gods. Anyway, you keep on coming down here. Oh, Oh, let's see. Let's scroll down here. To, oh. Oh. Oh, let's see. Yeah, here we go. Oh. Now, down here to, I'm going to start here at verse 50. Oh. See, notice verse 48 and 49. My eyes flow day and night with never ending streams of tears because of the destruction of my people. Okay. Oh, this is what happened to him. Now, again, you, if you re- if, if we had time to read First Lamentations and Second Lamentations and even some things I passed here, it's because they were going after other gods. I mean, they had this stuff coming. They didn't take any time at all to even acknowledge the Lord. Okay, but not Jeremiah. But now, remember, Jeremiah got in trouble because of his message um, in the book of Jeremiah. I want to see the difference here. This is how we learn. <clears throat> Uh, what to do in times of trouble, and we see what they did not do. Anyway, verse 52, uh, he says, My enemies, whom I have never harmed, chased me as though I were a bird. They threw me in a well and capped it with a rock. The water flowed above my head. I thought, this is the end. But I called upon your name, O Lord, from deep within the well, and you heard me, you listened to my pleading, and you heard my weeping. Yes, you came to my despairing cry, and told me not to fear. Now, let's go look at this story. <clears throat> he goes on and says, Lord, you're my lawyer. So, it looked like right here, he was in this deep well. They capped it with a rock. Jeremiah thought it was the end. So, let's go see that story. In Jeremiah, we're going to start here in... Uh, this incident happened over here. I believe it's in 37. Let me get down here to it. No, it's going to be 38. I believe it is. Watch this. But when this guy named, we'll just call him Steve, whatever, Sheftifah, son of Matin, whatever, and then George, he's Gedaliah, son of Pashur, these couple of guys, whatever. They heard what Jeremiah had been telling the people. Now, what had Jeremiah been telling the people? Nebuchadnezzar is going to take over. Y'all are toast. The whole place is going up in flames because you worship other idols. Well, anyway, they said, hey, listen, we got to stop this guy's mouth. That uh, Anyway, says that everyone remaining in Jerusalem will die by the sword, starvation, or disease. But anyone interested in surrendering to the Babylonians would live. And that the city of Jerusalem would surely be captured by the king of Babylon. They went to the king and said, sir, this fellow must die. In other words, Jeremiah needs to die. Why? This kind of talk will undermine the morale of a few soldiers we have left and all the people too. This man is a traitor. Well, see, Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3, he says, man, they threw me in this well. I was sinking. I thought it was the end. But I cried out to you. Watch what he did. Well, the king Zedekiah said, all right, do whatever you want. I can't stop you. They took Jeremiah from his cell, lowered him by ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Malchiah, the member of the royal family. There was no water in it, but there was a thick layer of mire at the bottom. Jeremiah sank into it. Wow. Notice what happened. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, obviously must be a black guy, an important palace official, heard that Jeremiah was in the cistern. He rushed out to the gate of Benjamin where the king was holding court. My lord, the king, he said, these men have done a very evil thing putting Jeremiah in the cistern. He will die of hunger for almost all of the bread in the city is gone. See, Nebuchadnezzar for two years had the whole city locked down. It took him two years to break through. 
The people wound up, if you keep if you read Jeremiah and Isaiah, what was going on during this time, they were they wound up eating each other. I mean, they were become cannibals. There wasn't any food left. They started eating each other. Anyway, so anyway, notice what the king commanded, this Ed guy, we'll call him Eb. Hey, Eb, take 30 men with you and pull Jeremiah out before he died. Wow. Praise the Lord. You know, God's going to get you out of trouble too. Remember we have Lamentations says that Jeremiah said, I thought it was all over and I cried out to you, but you rescued me. He found some old rags, discarded garments. I mentioned this last week. And they took to the cistern and lowered to Jeremiah on a rope. What were the rags for? Eb called down to Jeremiah and said, Hey, use these rags under your armpits to protect you from the ropes. When Jeremiah was ready, they pulled him out and returned him to the palace prison. He remained. Now a little note here. Watch what happened. One day, Zedekiah, that's the king, he sent for Jeremiah to meet him at the side entrance of the temple. This was a secret. Hey, he talk with you. And I think it's funny because Jeremiah only had one message and it was never going to change. So the king says, I want to ask you something. The king said, and don't try to hide the truth. Jeremiah, see, Jeremiah was, it was bugging him that he had to tell what God wanted to tell all the time because it was nothing but bad news. Okay. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you'll kill me and you won't listen to me anyway. So can you see Jeremiah is pleading for his life here? And look what happens. He gets his life. King Zedekiah swore before Almighty God, his creator, not evolution, you know, that he would not kill Jeremiah or give him to the men who were after his life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, the Almighty Lord God of Israel says, if you will surrender to Babylon, you and your family will live and the city will not be burned. But if you refuse, this place is going to be set on fire by the Babylonian uh, army and you're not going to escape. Here's the truth. The king says, listen, I'm afraid to surrender. It was political pressure. He thought the town was going to turn against him if he tried to surrender. So you got to remember the other prophets were saying, oh, the Lord will deliver you. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And they didn't know anything about the Lord. They were burning incense to the sun god and all these other gods. And just, it was ridiculous. Anyway, but he said, I'm afraid to surrender for the Babylonians will hand me over to the Jews who have defected to them. Who knows what they will do to me. But you notice there's a trust issue here. Jeremiah said, if you will surrender, the Lord will protect you. Well, as you know, or maybe you don't know, you can read this in the, at the end of 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Zedekiah would not surrender and he wound up losing his life. Jeremiah replied, they won't get into your hands if only, excuse me, they won't get into your hands if only you will obey the Lord. Your life will be spared and all will go well for you. But if you refuse to surrender, the Lord has said that all the women left in your palace will be brought out. Anyway, they're going to mock you. And they'll be given to the officers of the Babylonian army. And these women will taunt you with bitterness. Fine friends you have, they said, those Egyptians. Because see, Zedekiah had cut a deal. He made a phone call down to the Egyptians and said, Hey, will y'all help me? Nebuchadnezzar's coming. The Egyptians said, Oh yeah, we're on the way. Wasn't going to happen. Anyway, they betrayed you, left you to your fate. All your wives and children will be led out to the Babylonians and you will not escape. You will be seized by the king of Babylon. This city is going to be burned. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, on pain of death, notice what he says, don't tell anybody you told me this. If my officials, I have a point I want to make here, so read, I'm reading this. He said, if the officials, my staff, if they hear that I talk to you, they will threaten you with death unless you tell them what we discussed. Just say you begged me, here it is, you begged me not to send you back to that dungeon in Jonathan's house. This is twice this has happened. 
Remember, he rescued him from the cistern. He also rescued him. Jeremiah pled before the king just one chapter before this and said, listen, don't send me back to that dungeon. I'm going to die there. And Zedekiah says, okay, you can stay at the other palace over here. Free ride. Jeremiah's getting away with everything. Praise the Lord, just like you are. The Lord is helping you and I, as long as we don't act like Israel and say, well, I don't have time for the Lord to help me, or I don't think he will help me. He will help you. But anyway, he says, tell my staff, and when they ask you, just say that you were saying uh, you don't want to go back to Jonathan's house for you would die there. Sure enough, it wasn't long before all the city officials came to Jeremiah and asked him, why did the king talk to you? And he said what the king told him, and they left finding out the truth. For the conversation had not been overheard heard by anyone. And Jerem, he says, Jeremiah remained confined in the prison yard until the day Jerusalem was captured. Now, when he was confined here, he was still getting bread from uh, the table of Zedekiah. <clears throat> now, oh, and if you, you want to hear what happened, you read, listen to last week's message. Now, let's go back over here to Jeremiah chapter 2. And this is going to give us a little bit of recap of what's going on, what happened. In Jeremiah chapter 2, again the Lord spoke to me and said, Go shout this in the streets of Jerusalem. The Lord says, I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and you followed me even through the barren deserts. In those days Israel was a holy people, the first of my children. All who harmed them were counted deeply guilty. Remember the Lord has promised to you and I, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. Don't worry about your life this afternoon, tomorrow, next week, work-related issues or whatever. If there's somebody trying to pull a fast one over you, don't you worry. God is watching out for you. See, you have to watch out for that. In our American society, we're trying to be politically correct, and we try to be politically correct with the Bible. Well, I don't want to say the Lord's not going to put me in some trial to help me grow. You're not going to grow. You might get killed. The Lord is here to help you. See, we just drop our guard and we think that maybe a doctor's report or something. Well, I guess it's just the Lord's will. Man, there was a leper that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me heal. You can make me well. Jesus turned to the leper in Matthew chapter uh, 8 and he said, I will be thou clean. He said the same thing in Mark's gospel chapter 3. But sometimes we just think, I don't know, maybe there's a reason for this trouble hitting me. Man, there's enemies out there, and the Lord is our shield. Okay, so here we go. But he said, boy, I mean, one time y'all were really, y'all were really had a heart for me. And then he says, uh, oh, Israel says, the Lord, why did your fathers desert me? What sin did they find in me that they, uh, that, uh, that they turned away and changed them into fools who worship idols? They ignore, they ignore the fact, that is, that I was the Lord who brought them, look at this, safely out of Egypt. That's a wonderful story. They come through a desert, pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They had air conditioning. The Lord will provide air conditioning and heat for you. He will. He fed them with manna. He took care of them. And we led them through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and rocks and drought and death. But they survived where no one lives or even travels. But the Israelis did. Praise the Lord. I brought them into this fruitful land to eat its bounty and goodness. See, how can we forget the land of milk and honey? It's part of our culture. Oh, well, how's your new job? Oh, it's like the land of milk and honey. I mean, where are you? Well, hang on to that phrase. Your life is supposed to be milk and honey. It is. Deuteronomy 28, it's nothing but the blessing. It belongs to you and I. So when things go, oh, you should think, what do I do? I went, oh. 
Prayer. Hallelujah. Now, don't do prayer like this. Oh, I'm going to try to understand why you did this to me. No, tell the Lord it hurts and ask the Lord to help you. Praise the Lord. It's like Josh and I were working on my car the other day, and I'm going to tell you, the Lord fixed it so fast we were stunned. I already called service in, but I had the part in my hand, and he had a screwdriver, and I popped this thing out, put this other piece in, and it, my car cranked. I called the service people said, cancel the call, my car's working. That's how fast the Lord is. He's always, well, what does it say? Psalm, what is it? Psalm uh, 40, uh, it's not 48, 47, 46, excuse me. The Lord is a very present help, verse 1, in time of need. A very present help. So if you don't think he's a very present help, don't tell me about it. Tell him about it. And that's what one of the psalmists said in Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, he's so used to the Lord helping him. And that's what Jesus said on the cross. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, what's the matter with you? He's doing Psalm 22. And if you'll read the rest of Psalm 22 is what Jesus was referencing. I'm telling you what, death couldn't keep him in three days. In three days, he was resurrected. Jesus knows what to do to get you out of trouble. Our trouble is, sometimes we just walk off and we don't think he'll help us. He says, man, your father's deserted me. They traded me for idols. And he says, I brought them safe, 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 safe. I got them to the promised land. Anyway, he says, uh, I brought them into a fruitful land to eat its bounty and its goodness, but they made it into a land of sin and corruption, turned against my inheritance. No, they turned my inheritance into an evil thing. Even their priests cared uh, nothing for the Lord, and their judges ignored me. Their rulers turned against me. Their prophets worshipped Baal and wasted their time on nonsense. But I will not give you up. I will plead for you to return to me uh, and will keep on pleading. Yes, even with your children and your children's children in the years to come. Look around and you'll see if, I can, if you can find another nation anywhere that has traded in its old gods for new ones, even though their gods are nothing. Now, what's the comparison? What does he mean nothing? And that's the reason today uh, it's been, I've never lacked for anything to preach because I've realized I'm supposed to act like that Bible's true. I'm supposed to indicate to me, as well as everybody else, that the God of that Bible is the same today, and He'll help you. Notice this is what the Lord's saying. He's saying it was ridiculous that people traded their gods. No other nation does that, but why did Israel do that? Look around, see if you can find another nation anywhere that traded their old gods for new ones, even though their gods are nothing. Send to the west, to the islands of Cyprus. Send to the east, to the deserts of Qatar. See if anyone there has ever heard so strange a thing as this. And yet my people have given up their glorious God for silly idols. Well, now, I wouldn't mind giving up my glorious God if he didn't do nothing. But see, sometimes today we think our God doesn't do anything. Oh, he's great. But we don't even believe he created the heavens and the earth. We think it took God millions of years. We got people that just believe that. Well, I think there was a time frame. You know, we have to understand the days in the Bible. Remember, a thousand years with the Lord as one day. A thousand years won't compare with billions of years. It doesn't make sense. Why is the Sabbath so important? Maybe we should translate that and say maybe it's every thousand years we should take a day of rest. No, there's a day of rest because God blew everything away in six days. Our God is so awesome. And see, if you'll remember how wonderful God is who created the heavens and the earth, you'll go, you know what, my little problem, he'll fix that. Praise the Lord, he will. So look what he says here. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and horror and dismay. For my people have done two evil things. They've forsaken me, 
the fountain of life-giving water. Now, where have we heard that before? Jesus said, I am the river of life. He's a fountain of life. Praise the Lord. You know, fountain doesn't ever quit, or you don't call it a fountain anymore. They've forsaken me, the fountain of life-giving water, and they built for themselves broken cisterns that can't even hold water. Why has Israel become a nation of slaves? Why is she, her captivity led, why she led away? I see the armies marching on Jerusalem with mighty shouts. See, here comes Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah's telling them to destroy her and leave her cities in ruins and burns and desolate. I see the armies of Egypt rising against her from the south, marching to their cities uh, from Memphis and Tamphines to utterly destroy Israel's glory and power. And you have brought on this yourselves by rebelling against the Lord your God when he wanted to lead you and show you the way. What have you gained by your alliances with Egypt and Syria? Your own wickedness will punish you. You will see what evil and bitter things to rebel against the Lord your God, fearlessly forsaking him, says the Lord God Almighty. Now, it gives a little details here of what they were doing. Long ago, you shook off my yoke and broke away my ties. Defiant, you would not obey me. On every hill, under every tree, you bowed low before idols. How could this happen? How could this be? I planted you. I chose my seed carefully. The very best. Why have you become this degenerate race of evil men? No amount of soap or lye can make you clean. You've stained, you're stained with guilt that cannot be washed away. Now, why? Why? Is it because you did one thing wrong? No. Look closely. I see it always before me, the Lord God says. You say it isn't so that you've worshipped idols. How can you say anything like that? Go look in any valley of the land. Face the awful sins you have done, O restless female camel, seeking for a male. You're a wild donkey, sniffing the wind at mating time. Who can restrain your lust? Any jack wanting you need, excuse me, any jack wanting you need not search, for you come running to him. Now, what's he talking about here? Idols. Why don't you turn from all this weary running after other gods? But you say, don't waste your breath. I've fallen in love with these strangers, and I can't stop loving them now. Like a thief, the only shame that Israel knows is getting caught. Kings, princes, priests, and prophets are all alike in this. They call a carved up wooden post their father. But see now, we can become guilty just thinking our God don't do anything. It's just chance. Now we're not going to do that. We realize our God will help us. But look how he correlates. They're putting all their hope in something that won't even do anything. And for their mother, they have an idol chiseled out from stone. Yet in time of trouble, they cry out to me to save them. Well, that makes sense. Why don't you call on these gods you've made when danger comes? Let them go out and save you if they can. For you have many gods that are uh, there. No, you have as many gods as you have cities in Judah. Don't come to me. You are all rebels, saith the Lord. I've punished you, your children, but they did, it didn't do me good. They still did not obey so the point is, he keeps telling them over and over again, you guys are worshiping other idols. He goes down here and he tells them the, the other part, they're, they're actually, like I've mentioned before, you know, you're throwing your kids to the fire. Now, <clears throat> I want to jump to, oh, after it all fell apart, Daniel chapter 2. You've heard of Daniel in the lion's den. You've heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The burning fiery furnace. Just the first six chapters of Daniel. Daniel's short. I'm going to show you one. Of this. This is a, oh, we're going to, we'll stop here at the second chapter. 
But this is the difference between what Israel was doing versus what Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this is what you and I are doing today. We're trusting the Lord. Now, here's what happened. One night in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a terrifying nightmare and awoke trembling with fear. To make matters worse, he couldn't remember the dream. <laughs> well, it scared me, but I'm trying to remember what it was. <gasps> remember, he's king of the whole world. He immediately called in all his magicians, incantationists, sorcerers, astrologers, and demanded to tell him what the dream was. Hey, tell me what that dream was. I've had a terrible nightmare, he said, as they stood before him. I can't remember what it was. Tell me, for I fear some tragedy awaits me. Then the astrologer, speaking in Aramaic, said to the king, Sir, uh, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king replied, I tell you, the dream is gone. I can't remember it. In other words, if you guys are so hot, you'll tell me what it was. Well, they freaked out, and they go, well, ain't nobody do it. Sir, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. He says, hey, the dream's gone. I can't remember it. If you won't tell me what it means, I'll have you torn limb from limb, and your houses made into heaps of rubble. But I'll give you many gifts and honors if you tell me what the dream was and what it means. So begin. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's hear it. Uh-oh. Then they said... How can we tell you the, what the dream means unless you tell it what it was? The king retorted, I see your trick. I see your trick. You're trying to stall for time until the calamity befalls me that the dream foretells. But if you don't tell me the dream, you certainly can't expect me to believe your interpretation. Anyway, the astrologers were competing for their life. They replied to the king, there isn't a man alive who can tell others what, um, what they've dreamed. And there isn't a king in all the world who would ask such a thing. This is an impossible thing the king required. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they're not here to help. Oh, really? Daniel's in this group, and he's fixing to be led off to execution. Watch this. Upon hearing this, the king was furious. Man, he gets furious pretty quick. He was hot in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent out orders to execute all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel and his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now this isn't a burning fiery furnace, this is something else. They were rounded up with the others to be killed. Well now, uh-oh, what might be God's will? Now what happened to the shield? What happened to, I'll bless those that bless you, I'll curse those that curse you. And, and our God, he keeps saying, I mean, why don't we run after idols? After all, Jesus doesn't do anything. That's the reason Naaman came to the Lord, to Elisha, to be healed of leprosy. He had a slave girl in 2 Kings chapter 5 that said, you know what, if you go back to Israel, you'd get healed. Jesus referenced that story. Are you scratching? You got itching and stuff? Man, I do. Sometimes I get, and I have to remind myself, Lord, you got to help me with this stuff. I can't keep ointment on fast enough. You know, you let that stuff on there for six, eight days, ten days, whatever, and then all of a sudden, another spot comes up. You know, this stuff never quit. Jesus will help you. So anyway, you're going to get killed. So Daniel knows what happened. But Arioch, the chief executioner, came to kill them. Daniel handled the situation with great wisdom by asking, Hey, why is the king so angry? What's the matter? Arioch told him all that happened. So Daniel went to see the king. Give me a little time. He said, now boy, I tell you what, he's either lying or he knows something. Well, he knows something. Big difference between Israel and why Jeremiah was prophesying. Because all they were doing was worshiping idols. They didn't pay any attention to God. Give me a little time, I'll tell you the dream and what it means. Then he went home to Hananiah, Mishael, Erzar, those his companions. 
And they asked the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not die with the others. That's a good motive. It hurts. (laughs) I want to feel better. And that night in a vision, God told Daniel what the king had dreamed. Now, why did that happen? Well, follow it. Daniel was getting fixed to get killed, and he goes, Whoa, hold on. I'm going to ask the Lord, and we're going to find out what this thing is. Then Daniel, he ain't even before the king yet. He's, he's having a fit. He praised the God of heaven. Now, why? Because he knew the dream? No, because he wasn't going to get killed. Blessed be the name of God forevermore, for he alone hath all wisdom and all power. World events are under his control. He removes kings, sets up others on their thrones, gives wise men their wisdom, and scholars their intelligence. He reveals profound mysteries beyond man's understanding. He knows all hidden things, for he is light and darkness, and no obstacle is no obstacle to him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom. Look at this. You have given me wisdom. Watch closely. And glowing health. What if you do that for you? Well, just follow the instructions. Do what they did. And now even this vision of the king's dream and the understanding of what it means. Then Daniel went to see the executioner and said, Okay, hey, I got it. I got it. Who had ordered, been ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon and said, Don't kill him. Take me to the king. I'll tell him what he wants to know. Then Arioch hurried Daniel to the king. And, found, uh, and said, I found one of the Jewish captives who will tell you your dream. Now look how Daniel approaches this. The king said to Daniel, is this true? Tell me what my dream was and what it means. Daniel replies, no wise man, astrologer, magician, wizard can tell the king such. But there is a God in heaven. Now, where is your God in your trouble right now? You need to say, this is such a great thing to say. There is a God in heaven, and he's going to help Richard. There is a God in heaven. He's going to help Gavin and Joy and Dustin and Bob and every one of us in here. You know, praise the Lord. Fred, Grace, Evelyn, Myrna, me. He's going to help us all. There is a God in heaven. Okay, let's finish this out. Oh, let's see. Yeah, and he reveals secrets and has told you in your dream what will happen in the future. This is your dream. You dreamed of coming events. He who reveals secrets was speaking to you. But remember, it's not because I'm wiser than any other living person or that I know this secret of your, but for God showed it to me for your benefit. O king, you saw a huge and powerful statue of a man shining brilliant and frightening terror. I mean, and terrible. The head of the statue was of purest gold. His chest of arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were brass. His legs of iron. Okay, all these things. But as you watched, a rock was cut from the mountainside by supernatural means. It came hurtling toward the statue and crushed the feet of the iron uh, clay and smashed into bits. The whole statue collapsed in a heap of iron. All this kind of stuff. They were crashed. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Now, this was the dream. This was the meaning. Your majesty, you are a king over many kings. For the God of heaven has given you your kingdom, your power, your strength, your glory. You rule the farthest provinces. Even animals, birds are underneath your control as God decrees. You're the head of gold. But after your kingdom has come to an end, another world power. This will be the Persian government's going to come in. You can look at your own history. You'll see this. Anyway, and it's going to do this and this and this. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to skip this a little bit. King Nebuchadnezzar is following this, and he knows this is what he saw. 
Pick it up at verse uh, 44. During the reigns, those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Wonder what that one is. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, he said, as you heal the sick, he says, tell them the kingdom is near. Anyway, but it shall stand forever indestructible. Your God is the king of that kingdom. You are in the kingdom, praise the Lord. Jesus told his disciples when they asked, when's the kingdom going to come? Jesus said, the kingdom's within you. It's within you. That's the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain without human hands that crushed the power of the iron and brass, the clay, silver, and the gold. Thus the, God, the great God has shown what's going to happen in the future. And this interpretation of your dreams is as certain, as sure and certain as my description of it. Nebuchadnezzar fell to the ground. Because see, it reminded him that's exactly what he saw. And he worshipped him and commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. Truly, O Daniel, the king said, Your God is the God of gods and the ruler of kings and the revealer of mysteries because he has told you this secret. Now, are you ready for this? This is you and I when we get out of this building. Then the king made Daniel very great. He gave him valuable... This, this is just follows you. I mean, can you not watch what happened to Josh? If Let Josh tell you what happened to him recently. It's happening to not just him, but all of He gave him many valuable gifts, appointed him to be ruler over all the prophets of Babylon. What's up with that? They just got kicked out of Jerusalem, totally taken over. But now, because Daniel is worshiping the God of heaven. Now watch this, he, uh, oh, province over Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. And then of course Daniel said, I got some friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as Daniel's assistants to be in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon. Daniel served as the chief magistrate of the king's court. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, burning fiery furnace. They were unscathed, not touched. Why? What's the difference between that and Jeremiah? They were worshiping stupid idols. They wouldn't ask the Lord to help them for anything. But not us. Praise the Lord. We're going to ask. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that if we're not feeling good, you'll make us well. We worship the God that does something. You're not a carved piece of wood that doesn't help us. You will help us. And if we're struggling financially, you'll help us there too. Praise the Lord. Or if it's something that's not even financial, not even related to uh, being well or something, it's just some other trouble we're facing, Lord, you will get us out of that. And that didn't leave anything left but for us to act like these guys and tell others how great our God is. The God of all heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God.